Well, the time has come. We have officially kicked our capital campaign off. I could just be done. I think we've done the job already this morning uh, through our testimony, through our songs. But, you know, I'm not. I'm going to keep talking because that's what you pay me the big dollars to do, right? Now, over the next few weeks, four Sundays, this Sunday and the next four, you're going to live into this campaign. We will live into it together. There'll be time to ask questions. You'll hear more testimonies from our church. Chances to talk one-on-one if you would like to with some of our campaign uh, teams, sermons, skits, songs, stories. We will imagine together what could be possible. In your uh, brochure that we handed out at the beginning of worship, tucked inside is a prayer guide for this week. Uh, Tim and Lori Diebel, our uh, spiritual uh, prayer team, uh, put together that guide and we'll have a new one each week of this campaign that we'll make available in worship. We'll email to you. We'll stick it on Facebook as another way that you can take home and, and begin to live into this campaign together. And through it all, we're going to challenge each other to make pledges. Over the next three years to achieve our goal, a goal which I believe that we can meet and maybe even exceed. Now, speaking of exceeding, that also means that there's a lot happening in worship. And so we may exceed our hour time then and there, but we're going to make room for anything to happen, even if it means, uh, you know, five or ten minutes at the end of worship. Making room for all that's our theme. And that's what we're trying to do, because we say all the time, all are welcome. But we want to make sure that's true, that this space is accessible, that the ministry we're called to do, we're able to accommodate. Now, we already read the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, and this book from the Apostle Paul is our guide during this campaign. Each week, we're going to make a stop at a different part of our church building, a different part of the renovation plan as we focus on what happens there and what God may be calling us to do in that place. This Sunday, if you haven't picked it up already... Our focus is on the sanctuary, and I want to begin with a little quiz by a show of hands. If you were married in this room, raise your hand. All right, all right. If one of your children were married in this room, raise your hand. If you officiated a wedding in this room, raise your hand. (laughs) And we don't want to be left out up here. If you were dedicated as a baby in this room, raise your hand. All right. If you dedicated your child in this room, raise your hand. If you saw your grandchild dedicated in this room, raise your hand. All right. All right. If you were baptized, right there, raise your hand. If you saw your child or grandchild baptized, right there, raise your hand. If you attended a funeral of a loved one in this room, raise your hand. Now, a lot of life is shared in this space. We call this room sanctuary. Sanctuary has two primary definitions. One is a consecrated place, a sacred space. We say this is a sanctuary because we believe this space is holy. This is where the church at Norwalk Christian Church has gathered to worship in this very room since 1972 when this uh, 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 place was dedicated. And if these walls could talk, a lot of us were told as kids perhaps not to run in this room. Don't eat in it. Don't drink in it. After all, this is a holy place. That's what I was told in my church growing up as a kid. We weren't even allowed to chew gum in the sanctuary, though it always ended up 
under the pew. But there was this old man in my church. Now, if this were my home sanctuary, he sat kind of where Gail Vandal is sitting. I remember his name was Henry Porter. He was one of the founders of my church. And even though we couldn't chew gum in the sanctuary, Henry Porter would bring a stack of double mint and juicy fruit and spearmint gum in a little Ziploc bag. And we who knew the secret would sneak in and we would never approach Henry directly, but maybe under the pew or kind of flank him on the side. And he would slip us a piece of gum that we would perhaps slip into our mouth. Gum wasn't allowed in the sanctuary. It was holy. But you know what? His gum sneaking enterprise is what made that place a sanctuary for me. Because this place, well, it's not holy because of pews or because of our nice center aisle or the wood on the wall, the furnishings, the psalm books, the lack of screens hanging from the roof. This place is holy not because of anything on the inside or the way it looks, but this place is holy because it is a space where we are loved, where we are welcomed just as we are where any and all are loved and welcomed. Which brings us to the second definition of sanctuary. It, sanctuary is a place of refuge or protection. And really, I think those two definitions are one definition because this place is holy because it is a place of refuge and of protection. Because let's be honest, when we were yelled at as kids for running in the church, it did not make this place feel any more holy. But when we were prayed for, when the church had laid hands on us, when an old man snuck us chewing gum, when we shared life together, joys and tears were baptized in this place, met God in the water and at the table, this place became holy. This place became a refuge. Now, earlier we read the entire first chapter of Ephesians, and it's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to Christians that he knows very well. They live in the city of Ephesus. They're called Ephesians, and he loves them dearly because he started this church. He knows their faces. He baptized them, perhaps even did some weddings for some of them, dedicated a few of their babies. And in Acts 20, we read the story of his parting because Paul's ministry was an itinerant one. He couldn't stay put. He had more churches to start, but he stayed with the Ephesians longer, perhaps, than any other group. And Acts 20 tells us the story of he gives his farewell sermon and the elders of that church surround him, pray for him, and they weep together. Paul loves this church and you can sense it dripping from the pages of this letter. He knows them. He celebrates them. And the words we read earlier, he gives thanks to God for them. He does not cease, he says, to give thanksgiving for them. And this chapter ends with this beautiful prayer. He prays that God will give these Christians in Ephesus and perhaps even us who read this letter today, that God will give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened so that they will know the hope that God has called them to, that they will know the immeasurable greatness of God's power, which is already at work within them. This power, he says, it's the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That power is inside of you, the church, he says. And Paul ends the prayer with this magnificent image. He says that God has put all things under Christ's feet and has made Jesus the head over all things, which is the church, all things for the church. And the church is Christ's body. The church 
We, the church, are the fullness of Christ who fills all and is in all. In other words, we, church, are Christ's body. We are filled with the one who who fills everyone and everything. We are bursting at the seams with Christ, stuck, full of God's power, which fills all and is in all. And that is why this place is holy. God is here because we are here. Not the walls, but you. We are holy because God fills us up. But there's one more step that Paul makes. Sanctuary, he says, welcomes us and we share life together as church. God fills us up. But now there's one more step. We must then go out. We are full to overflowing. Now we must fill the world with the one who fills all and is in all. This is God's plan, Paul says, for God to fill us up so that we can fill the world up. And I want you to imagine, I've preached on this text before, and I mentioned this then, this four-tiered fountain, perhaps sitting right here in the middle of the sanctuary, and God's glory just kind of bursts from the top like a fountain, and it flows to the next tier. That second tier is Jesus, and it fills Jesus up, and when it overflows, it flows out of Jesus into the church, and it fills the church up and overflows, and then just starts spilling onto the floor and out the, down the aisle and out the door and into the whole world, this never-ending fountain of God's glory. That, Paul says, is what the church is. God filling us all so we can overflow into the world. And I've seen it happen. We heard it today through prayer concerns, through testimonies. We've seen these pews filled with people and their lives being changed. I remember Christmas time, every seat filled with a Christmas present that either you or someone from another church in town purchased for a family in need. I've seen you care for one another, check in on one another. We've had to interrupt the passing of the peace. So you just be quiet and quit talking to one another. You hug and pray for each other, cry tears of grief and of joy. You welcome in people that you don't even know, and they tell me afterwards, this place feels like a family. Here in this place, you've been church. We sang earlier, and we'll close this morning with the song, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Now, yeah, this is the sanctuary, but really you are the sanctuary. And we come into this holy place to be prepared to be that holy place for the world, a place of refuge. God filling us up and sending us out because our world is hungry for sanctuary, a place where all are welcomed and all are loved, where Christ can fill all and is in all. And if there's ever anything in the way of someone encountering God here, any barrier, any wall, may we always remove it so that all are truly welcomed. Now, one more question on the quiz. If you've ever felt the welcoming presence of God in this space, raise your hand. See, it's not the walls. It's not the architecture. It's not even the stained glass. It's you. God's presence at work within you. May we leave the holiness of this space and go out into the world with this message that Norwalk Christian Church is making room for all so that all can experience God's welcoming presence in this space and in our world. If you agree, say amen. 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 We have a theme song for our campaign, All Are Welcome. We invite Tim Diebel to teach it for us. It's on your insert, the back of the scripture. We'll sing verses 1 and I believe 3. Verses 1 and 3.